Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Hollywood or Broadway? That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Welcome to We Got This with Mark and Hal, the show where we settle the debates nobody else will touch. And we got a doozy today, Mark. We do have a doozy. And as soon as I heard this one, I was very, very excited about it. But I also wondered, it's so broad, this topic, Mm -hmm. because all you said was Broadway or Hollywood. That was it. Hollywood versus That's what came in the email from Naomi Wallace. That is what came in the email from Naomi Wallace. This feels huge, Hal. We cannot do this ourselves. No. I'm wondering if this is going to be tilted a little bit. Our pal Laser is back. This is your third time on the show, right? Third, fourth? I am so happy, and we're not talking about food this time, which is very exciting. That was a choice I've always made, but I was like, this time, let's not do cheese. <laughs> yeah. Let's do something else. This is <laughs> so much it. bigger than cheese, Laser. <laughs> You've won seven Broadway World Awards recently. Very yes. recently. This just Teaching happened. a Robot to Love is the musical, of course. We all know it. We all copy the soundtrack, and if we don't, we're going to go buy one. Yep. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it's true. Yeah, we won seven Broadway World Awards, including Best Musical for the regional Los Angeles Broadway World Awards. But, yeah, hey, listen. It's a theater <laughs> town, Hollywood. Congratulations. <laughs> it really is. You're in such a theater town. Do you yeah. think you can be unbiased? I think I this? can, because I, I feel I live here in the in the Hollywood area and um I have been to shows on Broadway and I've also watched mm-hmm. television and movies so I feel like I've done it all you know what I mean you really have yeah you've had the full spectrum That's... of experience around it I have the I know the good sides and the bad sides of both I feel I, I just don't know how we're going to evaluate it you know what I mean it's such a big question it yeah. is I think that we can break this question down into two parts, though, two sort of grand overarching versions of Los Angeles or I'm sorry, of Hollywood versus Broadway. And that is as a producer and as a consumer, because mm. they're two different things. I as a consumer, I love Broadway musicals. I love Hollywood movies as a producer of entertainments. Living in, I've lived in New York and tried to jump onto the Broadway circuit. I've lived in Los Angeles and played that game here. So I think those can be two ways that we can approach this. What do you guys think? Oh, absolutely. And the production of stuff as well. Like as a consumer, there's, there's so many, there, there, not only are there overlaps, but there's also different ways to look at that of like, who's creating new things, who's creating the best things. It's a wild world. I'm so excited to dig in. Yeah. This is very cool. Uh, one thing I think is really interesting about this is Hollywood can encompass anything from a film like Clerks, which got sucked into the Hollywood machine being made for $27,000 in New Jersey with no knowledge that it was ever going to be seen anywhere, yes. really, versus to put on a Broadway show, it has to be in a very specific group of theaters. There are a very specific group of rules and regulations about what is and what is not Broadway. So it's not like we're not taking – Something like Clerks that's like homemade that Mm -hmm. gets to Hollywood versus we're going to put it on a show in the backyard. Like I can go produce a stage show right now. I can get stage time and get a group of people together and we can write something where, you know, uh, uh, but it's not the same. We have to get it all the way to Broadway, which I think is a more difficult path. And I don't think that's maybe good or bad for one or the other. It just fascinates Mm -hmm. me that 
Broadway so hyper specific and Hollywood feels so overarching. And yet it is like kind of the perfect thing to go against one another because of the, I think it's ultimately going to come down to experience for that reason on the, mm. on the, well, I guess on the consumer and the performer side. Yeah. yeah. The experience that you would have as a person consuming as many different types of entertainment versus these 40 theaters on these dozen or so blocks in New York City, this specific small thing. Uh, is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's, and they're wildly different experiences. I can have yeah. a movie experience at home. I can't have a Broadway experience at home. I've streamed Broadway yeah. shows before and it's enjoyable. I love to watch them staged, but it's not the same as going to an actual theater and sitting and watching a Broadway show performed for you. If you're part of a cultural history in that moment and it's hard to ignore it. And yeah. that goes even to like waiting in Times Square to get stuff from the TKTS booth. So, oh, like, oh, I to hope I can waiting get... at the bathroom and intermission. <laughs> to all... wait to get yeah. the bathroom. It's, the, it's all part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's immersive. Immersive theater. That's what it is. Yeah, it's immersive theater. That is. I do love immersive theater. I've seen some immersive Broadway shows before. Mm. Do you like when people come up and interact with you? I know you've done this for a living for many years, yeah. but. Do you hate it? It depends on how it's done. Uh, I saw, so I saw Rocky on Broadway and in Rocky on Broadway, they, they bring a face. ring. To, they just come around and punch you in the face. <laughs> Everybody, wow. there's, a, there's, there's the glovist is the character. It's just somebody <laughs> in a pair of boxing gloves that just walks around punching yeah. audience members. Yeah. Uh, no, they put a ring into the middle of the house and all the people that were in those seats all were sort of marched by ushers onto the stage where they had set up ringside seats. So the stage shifted uh, midway through the second act. And that's one of those sort of participatory things that can only happen in the room. I've also just had cats come up to me and be like, are you blind when you're born? And like, that is like, okay. (laughs) Is that just walking around your neighborhood at night? Yeah. Yeah. All the alley cats in my neighborhood. (laughs) Can I sleep on your couch for a week or two? Do you have any chicken? (laughs) All the songs are about chicken. They just want chicken. Is it cooked or raw? Cause I like it cooked in a little bit of broth. (laughs) Uh, Ken also brings up the Great Comet, which we saw in New York mm. right after, right in 27, beginning of 2017. Another one where we sat on the stage. There's food coming to you. It's sort of a very uh, participatory thing. But that leads me to this question as an experience. And I will start with Laser, our guest. Mm. Which do you prefer, the best version of a theatrical live experience that you've ever had or the best movie in a theater setting? Um, well, I know what both of them are. So let me, let me, my, my Excellent. best, my best ever, I'm going to say it. My best ever Broadway experience was Moulin Rouge on Broadway. It's it was so like, good. I, mm-hmm. I, I've seen a lot of Broadway shows yeah. and that it's not like the best show, but the experience of being, it's the horniest show. Oh, it's yeah. so expensive. They just, they put bajillion dollars on stage and, uh, and they, and the great thing about Moulin Rouge is every song is in it. So if you yeah. like a song, it's there. Don't By worry. the hundreds. just 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 go through um and it's just it's a little bit you know they're close to you but not too close yeah and uh it was the first uh broadway show i saw after the pandemic and it was just like it's gorgeous it's beautiful and huge um the best movie going experience i've ever had was the 2016 ghostbusters movie (laughs) um 
again, not the best movie ever made, but it was the experience of like, oh, this is what it's like to have a movie where you feel stronger afterwards. You know, it's like as a person who was raised uh, as a woman, it was just like, oh, this is incredible. Like it's empowering. It's not it doesn't undercut itself. And then and the audience was laughing and we had themed cocktails, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, but I do. I think I think I like the experience of Broadway better. I have to say, it's just yeah. um, there's nothing like live theater and live music, just right in your face. Yeah, how my the best? You know, <laughs> it's funny. My Broadway experiences as a kid, you know, and I grew up 90 minutes from New York, but mm-hmm. shows with tours. So we'd go to the Forest Theater. I saw Phantom there. I saw Les Mis, which blew my mind because it was the first time I'd seen a turntable used. And it was outside of really enjoying the music and the story of it. I thought that as a device to move people around and change sets and things. Oh, I thought you meant all the scratching felt- and Les Mis, all the like, <laughs> beat matching. The matchings. DJ I'd had before, I'd seen yeah. the DJ. Was yeah. a, the DJ wasn't part of any show, would just show up at the, like, the Forest yeah. Theater for whatever. Do, do, do you hear the people sing? Yeah. <laughs> he had li- li- Lily's hazel <laughs> Um So going to Broadway as a kid was to see, we saw, I think, Jackie Mason twice mm-hmm. on Broadway, which is like, it just feels like the most Jewish thing we could have done was like show up and watch him. Like, yeah, that is the difference between Jews and Gentiles. That's great. I'm so glad you did that 400 times in 90 minutes. But in 2005, when Jennifer came to Philadelphia for the first time, we went to Broadway and we saw Avenue Q. And that was the best theater-going experience I've ever had. Because not only did I really enjoy the show, but it just made – I walked out like wanting to create nine million things of my own. Yeah. I didn't do yeah. any of them, but that feel like that inspiration, like really a really good piece of art, whatever it is, inspires you to, if that's something that you're into, it inspires you to go, oh, what could I create like this? This, this person showed me what was possible based on what was in their head, something I would never have thought was possible. So to see it pulled off in the way that it was just was incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Movies. There are a lot. I mean, I grew up. I, that was what I did with my parents on weekends. We would go to yeah. see movies one, two, three at a time, like whatever was out. We would go to see it when it came out. But I remember going with my father when I was, I want to say 11 or 12 years old to a midnight showing, the first showing of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're that original where they're in the suits. Yeah. Corey Feldman is the voice of, I think, Donatello in that. And I was in, you know, I hadn't really read the Eastman and Laird comics at all, but I was in this theater full of people who all loved it. Like we all loved the turtles for one reason or another. And like it was this just big group communal experience. That's one version of movies at their best. The other is probably seeing Saving Private Ryan, the first 20 minutes of that film. Yeah. Because it pulls you in in a way that no, it has an advantage over every stage show in that they can do whatever they want on that screen to create a world and as time's gone by the technology gets better and better but i just remember how immersive that felt like how jarring it was and emotional and raw it felt to see so those are two just sort of extremes of movie going moments Mm -hmm. for me that i remember really strongly yeah what about you mark for me theatrically it was peter and the star catcher when i saw that on broadway 
to see, and I think I've talked about it on this show before. If you don't know, it is a prequel to Peter Pan. It introduces how Captain Hook becomes Captain Hook. In this version, his name is Blackstash. <laughs> it is one of the absolute great comedic villain characters in the Broadway canon. But moreover, it is 12 green umbrellas, two trunks, a ladder, and a rope and 12 actors, and they create Neverland. And that play blew my mind. There were two moments in it that just floored me, two lines that floored me, instant waterworks. One was, things are only worth what you're willing to give up for them. Both of these come late in act two, two of my favorite lines. And the other is, but it'll hurt. It's supposed to hurt. That's how you know it's important. And just wow. after mm. two hours of Peter Pan and the star catcher in the story, it's the reason I moved to New York for three years that was seeing that play. I went, I want to go do more theater. This is what I grew up doing. And this is what I want to devote myself to was after I saw that. Uh, movie going experiences are more about the company that I was keeping than the movie itself. Rocky four at the terrace tap house with my dad when it first came out is one of the best memories of going to a movie ever. Um, but I want to go back to something that you had said, Hal, about sort of the magic of it. And mm-hmm. I view that experience at Peter and the star catcher as the magic of theater for me. Yeah. But you also mentioned that I like knowing that I'm watching a magic trick that's so simple. At one point, a girl floats, and it's only because she's standing on the front, the downstage half of a seesaw. It's the simplest bit. Mm-hmm. It's the simplest machine, literally. Um, but it creates a magic effect. I'm curious, what are y'all's thoughts on the fact that Hollywood and movies and on-screen entertainment can do anything now with uh, the computer ability that comes from like, like saving private Ryan could never happen on stage, but Warhorse could never happen on screen in the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I noticed that both of you like Avenue Q and, and the Peter and the star catcher are yeah. both shows that very much are like, you are dealing with the limitations of reality. And that's what makes yeah. it so amazing that it makes you, erase things that you're seeing you know Mm -hmm. it makes you not see the seesaw it makes you not see the puppeteer and i think that's something that it's just so especially at the level of broadway where they have the budget to make that so seamless and beautiful it it's something that i i find as a big practical effects person (laughs) like it's just it's there's there's no substitute for it and it's so human and it's so much like we're we're storytelling right now. We're not trying to do some technical feat where you are are just it, it's not literal. It's the metaphor of the story we're telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I mean look our town is a ladder. Like yeah. <laughs> there is a an, uh, an economy to to Broadway that can exist and then on the other end you can have like Aladdin, Lion King and all these things that use much more expensive means albeit still practical. You can't really digitize unless you're just projecting onto something or using like the volume on a stage. You can't, you know, it's a stage. It is what it is. Yeah. And and watching people flip things and take and like transform sets from from one location into another within 30 to 90 seconds is is breathtaking Mm -hmm. 
But the movies are a different experience. If movies yeah. were the same thing, you would go, well, why aren't I just going to see this in person? And, and really early films did feel a lot like that. The ones that weren't like, here's what, New- here's what a street in New York looks like. Here's the train arriving. Here are people riding on horses, like just showing you things. The novelty of here is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have like Georges Melier come in as a magician and go, Oh, we can do tricks with this. We can make people disappear. And that changes the game. And that's, I think, what sets films apart. Like, yeah. Star Wars, the original Star Wars is this great mix of practical effects and figuring out on the fly how to make Things that had previously looked a lot more fake, like actually giving ships mo- the motion controlled camera, like that's a, it's a game changing piece of technology. And so that, that film took blew people's minds because they'd never seen anything like that. At, at a certain point, you've seen a set flip around a bunch of times and sometimes the show is good and you're really into it. And sometimes the show is bad, but it's the same with movies. Like yeah. the, all the special effects in the world can't save a bad story it's still it's still gonna be bad it'll just look good at the same time <laughs> yeah that's so, a really good point a yeah, good sto- yeah. good storytelling is good storytelling absolutely and, ca- and cats is cats whether it's on stage or in a movie you know what yeah I mean? and they yeah. want chicken are you blind when you're born them? can we have some more chicken <laughs> oh my god they're going right now behind me i can hear them yeah yeah they're re- it's actually rehearsal because it's the middle of the day but yeah back they're going <laughs> Do you think oh. if you went to a production of Cats and that they would be so into it? I know the Broadway run is over, but if you'd gone to the yeah. original Broadway run, like maybe in the middle, in the middle of the 800 years that it ran and mm-hmm. go like, let's see how dedicated they are. You go buy a rotisserie chicken at the supermarket. Yeah. And then if you threw it out on stage in the middle, would they sure. stop what they're doing and just descend on it and eat it? Immediately sure. pile on. The show must go on, but also I'm in character. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is part of the show. Yeah. This is yeah. it. You're Guess in what? It Yes, and. Yes, yes, and. Broadway has its <laughs> yes, anding as well. Um, oh, yeah. So as we wrap this up about being consumers of, mm-hmm. of Broadway versus Hollywood, I will pose a question. Do you think we've talked a little bit about limitations uh, within the theater and how those boundaries can create these magical experiences and just the magical experience in general of being in a theater? Mm-hmm. And being in that that environment that's only going to happen once in this room, and it's a magical, special thing. Does that because we do have to sometimes compare apples and oranges? Does that trump the limitless variety and possibility of of I I guess when I say Hollywood, it does turn into like movies and. TV that's, you know, cinematic television and yeah. anything on a screen like that, that where the possibilities are pretty endless. I guess what trumps the unique experience with strict, strict limitations on it? It's literally 40 buildings where Broadway happens mm-hmm. or the vast expanse of everything movies can do. Also, even if you include tours, it's mm-hmm. still not going everywhere. But- yeah. Yeah, it's movies there is a limitation. Everywhere. Like not everybody can go to Broadway movies are no. a little bit more accessible. I mean, I I think that there's something about the rarity that does make it amazing. Yeah. And th- there's so many different ways like to think about like how telling the story, what's the most valuable thing way for society to see this story? What's the most yeah. valuable 
like a really well done just generally like i freaking love musicals right mm-hmm. but i love i love a film musical i love a broadway musical the matilda have did you say the matilda not musical? yet i haven't uh, watched it yet it's the best filmed version of a musical i've ever seen it's directed no by the, the same guy who originated it the same producer that made the whole thing happen directed the movie and it's like when it, that can be done well that's kind of like yeah. holy cow like what what a journey but i don't know I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like comparing things is uh, not a valuable uh, thing for a podcast to be. I don't know why you're doing this. It's, uh, it's so hard to do. <laughs> We've been trying really to get value out of it. this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's been eight years. We still no. can't wow. get value. Out. You know, no. I've never had it really put that succinctly before. <laughs> Laser. Ah, you think, shoot, Mark. Do you think we got all the juice out of the grape in like 2016? Or we just been <laughs> matching? This has been grappa. The- this has been grappa for years. Yeah. No. Oh no. If I, no, that's I think terrible. it's what you do is something that's very difficult. And I think if I had to choose the experience, I would say Broadway. You, there's just nothing like it. There's just yeah. nothing. <sighs> there's nothing it, like seeing it happen. And it does get out there, like kids. Are, I mean, even before you could stream stuff, if you watch mm-hmm. the Rosie O'Donnell show in like 2000, she's having Sutton or yeah. 2001, she has Sutton Foster on like three, four times doing numbers from Thoroughly Modern Millie. So it, that's enough to get it out there. So you're like, wait, what's that? And then yeah. some yeah. kid will see that and then tell other kids and then they'll be begging whoever runs the theater department. Can we do Thoroughly Modern Millie? When can we do it? Like these things get out. We all yeah. had school productions. So you're, you, the the ones that are i mean nobody I, I, very few schools were doing urine town i'm sure some are but like yeah. not yeah. all of them make it out but a lot of them the cl- you have some grounding in what the classics are cuz almost every school does a production of oklahoma or guys and dolls uh unless you go to my school where you're doing like the apple tree which is <laughs> like just deep cut we Let's did lay lay miz and godspell so you did yeah. lay miz in your school yeah. That's a huge show for a school to it do. Is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Who'd you play? Oh, I wasn't in it. I've never gotten into the theater. <laughs> you the DJ? Oh, oh, I don't uh, care for musicals. Uh, no, I, I, no, we had, it was a very competitive, it was a public school, but the, the, it was a very competitive program. And so I just never passed an audition, which is why I have to write theater now so that I can uh, keep other people out. Well, sure. I'm sure that you can dry your tears with your Broadway World yeah. Awards. Oh, God. Yeah. I wish I was in uh, Creation of the World Part 1 or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, when we're trying, I know we have to move on, but the experience thing, I think I, I also, and I don't know if you've ever been to an improv show, but I actually really like, I love, <laughs> I love improv done well. Um, and when it, it, the live sh- experience is the same thing, because it's kind of one of the things that makes it so magical is that it is risky. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes improv magical is that you don't, it's like anything could happen. Broadway's mm-hmm. a little bit less of that risk, but I think that that is that payoff of we're doing something really hard. Yeah. That makes it magical. In the, I don't know. Well, yeah. that is a perfect segue to what we are going to talk about next, which is the experience that we have had as performers on stage and screen. But first, this show, We Got This with Mark and Hal, is brought to you by Max Fun and all of the great members at Max Fun who make all of the shows possible. If you would like to join, visit MaximumFun.org slash join. Let's tell you about some of the other great podcasts on the Max Fun Network. We'll be right back. They can be anywhere, at your office, in your car, and they are wrong. 
My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Hi, I'm Alex Schmidt. And I'm Katie Golden. And we make Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, a podcast about why seemingly ordinary stuff is actually the title of the podcast. Using tons of research, we take a joyful look at history and science and stories. And jokes. About the ordinary stuff in your life, because that's what makes those things amazing. Also jokes. So get excited about paper clips. Get thrilled about pigeons. Get all psyched up and running around the room about the imperial system of weights and measurements. For real, there's whole episodes about that stuff. Hear them anytime and hear new episodes Mondays at MaximumFun.org. Broadway, Hollywood, or improv? Let's get into it. (laughs) Okay, we're back. It really did seem like this became theater versus... Uh, like on set versus or on stage versus on screen. You know what I mean? Like we've seemed to have broadened and I'm curious how broad you guys want to get with this notion because all the way. Broad okay. Way. <laughs> let's, broad that, let's broaden that way. Yeah. Wow. That way. You just laughed like the executive that finally says yes to the kid who wants to put on the show. <laughs> you know what, kid? You got Moxie. And I got a cigar that's pointy at the end. <laughs> Let's do business. Yeah. Oh, wrong <laughs> end. Sorry. Now my mouth is burned. Get out of my office. I need to call a medic. So let's talk about this as performers. Uh, we've all done shows before. We've all mm-hmm. been on stage. Uh, Laser, you started to mention, uh, right before the break that, that the risk factor that's involved with, uh, going on stage. What do you guys like? What is, you know, you, you've got to pick one to do for the rest of your career. That feels like that may be a fair question to ask at this point if we're trying to figure this out. That's so interesting. Cause I think one of the things that is, as I am increasingly learning as a writing musical theater that is difficult about Broadway, mm-hmm. if we're keeping it to Broadway, mm-hmm. um, is that it is so small. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like some like five companies own every Broadway theater. There's like yeah. the hierarchy, the the gatekeeping on that particular thing is very difficult. I mean, Hollywood is the same. Sure. But if the choice is theater or film, that's a little bit different than Hollywood or broad. Like you can. Only, well, that's why I was asking if we should yeah, broaden it out yeah. to and because I've not worked really in Hollywood exactly. And I've not really, I've never worked on Broadway, but we've yeah. had the theater yes, have film experiences. You're in a CBS television show. That's, that's like Hollywood. That's one that's of true. the companies. That's true. That is one of the, yes, but I've never done a Life Broadway. Bonnie. That's another, <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about like movies. Okay. Not television. Oh, movies. you didn't do extra work in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man like I did. Uh, we can't all be in a superhero movie, Hal. You didn't, uh, go to the men's room on a break and then they were filming Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes next door and you were at a urinal with two huge gorillas on either <laughs> side of you. One of them was <laughs> checking his phone. Huh. This I don't is, know. That's, uh, that's Hollywood. That's when I arrived when I looked to my left and looked to my right. Oh my God. Was he, thought, when was this? This was a while ago. Was he T9 this is, texting? 
was, so, was that was a, yeah oh, he was like man. yeah uh, just to say hello yeah god exactly. i was and so that. good at t9 i it was like really? a, a skill that i really wish that i hadn't spent my entire teenage just doing that <laughs> you don't need it anymore but no. oh gosh i was good but you it. could rapidly hit that uh and it, like it, the words the words like tomorrow were the worst because oh, yeah m and o m m and o the waiting yes yeah. I, I couldn't handle it i'm impressed that you were actually good at that i had no patience for it it's it was like the 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 like when my brain was most ready to learn something new and that's what i did that's, that was what you picked <laughs> that's fair it's gonna come back at some point don't worry it's, got, it's gotta come it's gonna be back. retro cool you're the <laughs> second person i know who's good at t9 texting the other person is uh annie savage who for mm. A sketch show once they were doing like a bit where they did their talents and hers was T9 texting and she was like lightning fast at it. So yeah. Yeah. I couldn't. I always. And that would work. That would work as a Broadway show, but not as a Hollywood. Right. No, we don't want to see that. It's hard to do like it's hard to do a film adaptation. Of, like if you look mm-hmm. at adapting it one way or the other. Mm hmm. Would you rather adapt a film into a Broadway musical or would you rather take a Broadway musical and adapt it to film and why? I mean, later? speaking of, of risky, it just, it feels like musicals that are turned into movies frequently that doesn't work as well. It's just hard mm-hmm. to do. It's, it's, it's all like, it's all about that magic, you know? Mm-hmm. The only good mm-hmm. example I can think of is Cats 2019, where they really <laughs> flawlessly adapted. Yeah, sure. It's so good film. with human hands and yeah. yeah. It's so good. The scale was perfect. Mm-hmm. They really I mean, I, as a person who likes creating new things in the world, I'm annoyed at how much Broadway is adaptations of yeah. existing movies and stuff like that. Cause, and, and a lot of it is jukebox musicals. These days. like, I would rather it be wild new stuff, but part of the capitalism of it all is the risk factor is going down and down and down on what people are willing to make. But that's also true in Hollywood. Right. Do you think yeah. it's easier though in Hollywood to get something that you create out there than it is on Broadway? Because it really, it comes down to you, like you said, those five companies mm-hmm. and you can get something on a stage. You mentioned that before, how like you can get, you can put something on a stage, but you can't mm-hmm. put something in a 2000 seat theater on, uh, 47th in New York. You know what right. I mean? Like that is, yeah. There are some serious gatekeepers to that. So as producers of entertainments, I wouldn't, would you say that more options are available on the Hollywood side than on the Broadway side? Yeah. I mean, it's like lazy. You pointed out that's also, there are also gatekeepers there. I think the difference is Broadway, the gatekeepers are protecting a much smaller yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Hollywood, it's a big yard. And sometimes there are like little, like, oh, the fence is kind of bent here. I can kind of sneak in and do stuff. But I keep thinking about like adaptations of musicals and there are some terrible ones. Mm-hmm. There are ones I did not care for. I'll put it that way. I didn't like mm-hmm. Rock of Ages. I did like Jersey Boys. I did enjoy that. I like Chicago. Cabaret won an Oscar. Chicago um, is I thought so incredible. One that kind of snuck in because it happened early. Early to, to mid pandemic is in the heights. I thought that was really, really good. I loved that movie. Um, film adaptation. Right? Yeah. It was a lot was better great. than the almost all white community theater version of In the Heights that I saw. The oh my. Was, oh, yeah. In the Whites? There's a whole like In the Whites, in the uh, whites. subculture on YouTube where you see oh, people no. doing it and it's In the it's Whites. Really something. A, that, that movie was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think 
we could compare musicals on film and in Broadway. I think, I think from a producer standpoint, yeah, I do think it is easier, right? Mm-hmm. To get into the, especially if we're including television and we're including, there's so much and there are more people who are trying to get into TV. I think it's less of a life change. <laughs> Knowing a lot yeah. of people who work in TV, it's less of a, okay, now I've done something on television and now my life is a success of a television yeah. um of of the Hollywood career whereas if you mm-hmm. get something on Broadway not necessarily going to change your life but probably is like well that's that's the peak that's the pinnacle that's the yeah. but I I do think it's you know from the message of like trying to put out art that gets words out and changes the world and helps people feel seen I think that is the value of digital filmmaking is yeah. that anybody can do it yeah, and that's the, and that gets rid of the gatekeepers for audiences too, because as you mentioned before, you can see a movie for free on television. You can see, uh, you know, a movie in a theater for twenty bucks, and you can see a Broadway musical for two hundred or three hundred. Yeah. Uh, so that gets it does get rid of that gatekeeper element. Mm-hmm. There's also something to on the Broadway side, like everybody loves. People don't like a remake, but people love a revival. <laughs> like yeah. I would rather watch and just comparing film to theater straight up, I would rather have gone to see the 94 revival of guys and dolls than watch the Marlon Brando, Frank Sinatra version of it. Because I've, the, what I've, I, I mean, I've listened to the soundtrack and it's great. And the cast is amazing for the revival, but also watching what they did with Adelaide, like how they turned it into an actual scene is like, oh, they figured out a way to redo this. Let's go see the anything go. Like, they find ways to bring something back that is familiar mm-hmm. to the people who love it, but has something new for younger people or for people who've seen it before. You're not going to see the same show again. You're going to see a brand new version of it. And a lot of times with remakes, it's like not as good. And it feels like a, it feels more like a cash grab. And maybe these revivals are also just cash grabs. I don't know. I'm sure they are mm-hmm. to some extent because they're trading off of something that's popular, but. You know, like the Oscars don't give out an award for best remake, but right. they're, they, you get a best revival. Like it's encouraged to keep yeah. that uh, library of content fresh and keep bringing it back. And I think that's pretty cool just from a producer standpoint that it's not just, I agree with you, Laser. I like to see new things, but I also like the idea of revivals as a legitimate and desired thing. I think is really cool. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's it's a little bit like the oral history that we all live on and the storytelling of like we tell the same story over and over again, but we yeah. we get more out of it. Like there was like the new Oklahoma uh revival that was absolutely like it was a sad show because it's sad. But like, let's see. They had a T for T couple in it, which is amazing, like two trans folks. And, and it had all of this like that's one of the things that we can do as we evolve theaters. Like, let's kind of like a game of telephone like what does mm-hmm. this mean to this person and that's kind of beautiful well i love that too the idea that there is a canon you know what mm-hmm. i mean there isn't like the hollywood canon is films that have already been made mm-hmm. uh it is a you know there's the afi 100 and it's a list of the 100 greatest movies in whatever million categories they've now done of them there's a canon of hollywood the canon of broadway is here is a list of plays and musicals. Here's all the materials to do them yourself, to put your spin on a thing, to do the Evo Van Hove no costume version of The Crucible, uh, to do whatever your vision for a piece of theater is. 
all different artists can draw from the same pool and don't always have to necessarily be using an original story, which is, I feel is, is sort of um, an equalizer. Something I think about a lot is the fact that they're going to do a revival of Phantom of the Opera, I'm sure, in the next yeah. 10 years. And right. I really want to know what the spin is going to be. Yeah. Like, are they all on their phones or something? I, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I can't they're all wait. phantoms. They're all, they're all wearing they're, the oops, 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 all phantoms. Phantoms. oops, all phantoms. The phantom is the only one not wearing a mask. Like, and that's yeah. the secret. Ooh. <laughs> they drop like 50 chandeliers. It's incredible. <laughs> it costs a lot. Everyone in the audience is a chandelier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll see it. it. Yeah. Take my money, Broadway. I will <laughs> go see it. <laughs> a wizard comes out for the pre-show and turns everybody into chandeliers. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me ask one last question to narrow it into as a performer. Uh, mm-hmm. Not as a producer of a Broadway show or a, a Hollywood film, but simply as a grunt in the field, a private in the army, one of the performers. Do you prefer a wake up in the morning and have a day of shooting as many takes as you want to get it right? Or do you like an eight o'clock curtain? You've got two hours. Tell your story. I mean, I feel like you probably are more qualified, Mark, um, to answer this question. But I, I personally, I love a live doing a live show. I love yeah. doing a live show regardless of because then you're you're not doing it for a bunch of disinterested uh, film crew. Yeah. You're doing it for people who are there to see it. And there's again, there's that risk. There's that magic of that. Yeah. You know, like doing thrilling as many years as we did, it was, it was such a non-traditional theater experience because you only did each script once. You mm. didn't get the benefit of multiple performances. Then like going on tour with Night Vale, you are doing the same show multiple, multiple times in multiple places. So you have the opportunity to find and explore new things. What I like about film work, number one is you take a lot longer to tell the story. So. You know, you don't shoot the whole thing in one day, typically. And I like the idea that you can explore different ways to do a scene right there, right then. Like your, your creativity is like your, your creativity is at work for as long as you're there doing the scene, as opposed to the feeling of like, I did it one night and either that felt good. I want to, I want to try it again and build on it or that didn't work. I need to, I want to try something different which may not work again because the audience is different. The audience is different people coming in. You really have to trust unless you're doing a sitcom where you have the audience feedback. And that's like the worst, like because you get a big laugh the first time and then do it the second time and they've already seen it. So the Mm. surprise and, and that laugh isn't there anymore. So you have to, as many times you have to do it. Now you're doing it in front of the, in front of this audience is like, I saw that joke already. I saw that joke already. And you know they're going to yeah. have to sweeten the sound later. But doing it without – like you you kind of have to trust your director and your mm-hmm. scene partners and yourself to be able to explore and to really like do the work for however long it takes to get that scene right. I think that's that's an extraordinary challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I generally prefer, I think I'm with Laser on this, like, as far as like, I want that audience response. I want the immediacy in the room. For better or worse, I don't necessarily trust myself to get it right. Or, you know what I mean? Like, all the other elements coming together that have to come together. 
it's for me, it's the immediacy of, and yes, it changes from night to night, uh, depending on an audience, but the immediacy of that response and riding that wave, if it's a laugh or feeling the weight in a room, if the air gets completely sucked out of it by one line in a play and everyone in the room knows it and you can hear a pin drop, like those are the moments that yeah. as a performer, I live for. Which is why, actually, you mentioned sitcoms. That is, I think, the best of all possible worlds because it's you've got that live studio audience there, so you get that immediacy, especially on the first take. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I agree. Like as it goes, it gets subsequently more difficult. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I, it's, it's those, it's that live moment for me. I just as a performer. Yeah, I mean, I love audience feedback. I love it. <laughs> it feels great. It feels yeah. good to know that they loved something. It feels good to know like a choice you made. I, I think it's almost impossible in that setting to, I, and maybe it's just me to make a choice that's like, well, this is the character trait. Like, I'm always thinking to a certain degree, yeah. how, what kind of response will this get? What kind of response do I hope it mm. gets? And you don't want to push for that, but you still have in your mind, when I do X, the audience will do Y. And mm. so, you're tying a, you're, you're tying a lot into that because if they don't react the right way, it feels like a failure when maybe it wasn't. And when they do react that way, there is success to it, but doesn't mean doing it that way every time is going to work. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I kind of like the idea. Again, it's the challenge of like, all right, you have no audience. You're not going to know how, how anybody reacts to this until <laughs> they see it later on. Yeah. So you oh. have to go in and just. I want. I will eat one of, marshmallow mountain now. I don't want two marshmallows later. Exactly. Yeah, delayed <laughs> gratification. No, thank you. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, I think that like think about all the great performances you've seen in film, mm-hmm. and that they were done with no audience there. That that is maybe yeah. one of the purest forms of. I have to connect with the written word. I have to connect with my environment and make you believe that all of this is happening. And I think in, in theater, you have room to now everybody has head mics. So you don't have to like scream like, now oh, the back of the house can hear I am dying. Like you don't have yeah. that, but <laughs> yeah, there is a certain amount that you like the audience will get there with you. You're creating it together, which is a really special thing on a film set. It's like, you're here in this room. You have to make every, everybody has to believe it's your apartment. They have to believe this person is your friend or your enemy or your lover or whoever they are. Mm-hmm. And that what you're doing is real. And when that's done right, it's yeah. incredible. You forget you're watching somebody you've seen in a hundred other things. Yeah. I think when you go see, I'm going back to Sutton Foster because I'm just an incredible fan. When you see her as Reno Sweeney or like any of that, you you know, you're watching Sutton Foster. You're there to see her do that. Mm-hmm. And it's a great character she's playing, but there's no doubt that it's her. Yeah. So there's something to that. Like, can you make somebody forget? Can I watch Mark do a performance on film that makes me forget that I'm watching, uh, you know, one of my closest friends that I've known for 20 years? Like, you know what I mean? That's, it's, that's, you don't think that can happen on on stage? stage? For me, it's really difficult, but that doesn't mean I don't like it or that it it doesn't devalue it for me. It's just a different experience. Because of the size of the performance, yeah, you know, theater performances tend to be larger and mm-hmm. film performances have to be a lot smaller because the camera is catching everything. And, it, and if you do too much, it, you'll, it'll show up as way too big on screen. Yeah. I mean, I personally love, I love that 
aspect. I love that it's not about being naturalistic. It's about telling the story and it's about mm-hmm. communicating it to the audience. And I think that's probably why I like it so much. It's like, yeah, no, people don't talk like this and they don't burst into song and they don't <laughs> pretend that an umbrella is a couch or whatever, but that's, that's where we are. And yeah. So. We're all suspending this disbelief for the next little while. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's a great communal experience. Well, we've talked a little bit about the experience as actors being on stage versus being on screen. We've talked a little bit about the experience of producing for the narrow lane and the narrow, uh, the very tiny uh, eye of a needle to thread that is Broadway and the vaster expanse that is Hollywood as far as uh, producing things. We've talked about the experience as a audience member consuming the best versions of either of these things, either of these genres, I guess. Is there anything that we have missed? As far, I mean, my first thought of things we've missed could be the dessert to this whole conversation, which let's just talk about the area. Physically, Broadway, the neighborhood of Times Square versus <laughs> the nebula that is uh Hollywood. But the, the Spider-Man the studios. The Spider-Man on Hollywood Boulevard versus the Spider-Man in Times Square. Let's talk about oh, it. Oh, let's do it. The yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> the Spider-Man. Yeah, there are only nine hundred Elmos in one place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was I had to walk through Hollywood Boulevard the other day because I was going to the doctor and I was like realizing that's part of my life. I and it mm-hmm. was like you walk by a Wednesday Adams, you walk by a Spider Man, you walk by a minion, you walk <laughs> Do they have a, a they have a Wednesday out there now? Is she doing the dance? Yeah. That's all she does. Well, the best part is that I only saw her walking towards, so she wasn't in she was just wearing the outfit. Sure. She's going to work. Her, She's yeah. just going to work, and she's you know a few blocks away. Oh my gosh! Is, it's it's magical. It's, it's <laughs> the magic of theater. Yeah, the magic of theater. A bunch of Spidermans with fanny packs. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. Oh. Yeah, this uh, this Black Widow is very sexy. That kind of stuff. That's fun. I would. I'll put it this. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I would much rather wander around uh, the Broadway theaters of Times Square at two o'clock in the morning than Hollywood yeah. Boulevard at two o'clock in the morning. Let me ask you this. Let's make it fair rather than the cities that they're in. Because now you're doing Los Angeles versus New York, really. Would you rather wander around a Broadway theater or would you rather wander around a Hollywood backlot and sound stages? Broadway theater. Okay. Yeah. No, it's fine if your answer is the same, but I think the equivalent, I love being on the lot. Yeah, I think that's true. Every time I'm on the lot for something, for anything, even if it's an like, I auditioned for a film one time. I was like, this is not. I I don't think this is going to be me, but I had an appointment and I could drive onto the lot and I went to a production office and I went in and met with a casting director and, and read for her. And it was, I felt like, uh, I felt like I was in the business. It was like yeah. one of the times I felt like, oh, I'm in the business. That That is a really amazing feeling. It's of, so, of being like, on a lot is so fun. I had to park on the street of New York from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to go to a meeting once. Like mm-hmm. that's where parking was. Right. was just yeah. This is the middle of New York. This is where whatever these guys do. And then you just walk through New York and then into a little building. And it's just like, this is cool. Yeah. Lots are cool. For me, a lot is about, uh, it's, they're two different experiences. A theater Mm. and the lot are two different experiences because the lot is everything is new and exciting. And I'm Pee Wee from Pee Wee's Big Adventure going through all the different movie sets. And there's, you know, uh, somebody walking two camels as a spaceman walks by and you're like, okay, great. 
This is what, this is what a backlot looks like. And it's exciting and overstimulating. A theater for me feels like home. And I don't want to sound hokey in saying that. It's just, I know where everything is. I know, you know what I mean? Like there are certain smells that every theater has. There are certain elements that every theater has that it just, and they all have, you know, their, their own differences. I was at the Pantages last night. I went and saw Mean Girls and I just like, I can just wander around the lobby and the auditorium of that theater forever. And it's just a stunning, beautiful place. But I always know also, like, if I go that way, I know where I'll wind up. If I go that way, I'll know, I know where I'll wind up. There's a certain familiarity to a theater that I love. That's why I like a back lot because it feels new and it feels like, yeah. like, oh, I'm part of something huge here. And right now within a thousand feet of me, there are like two movies and a television show that are happening. Yeah. Ooh. And over there, there are people writing maybe the next big hit film or television show. And over here, they're yeah. casting someone and changing their lives by giving them their big break. When I walk into a theater, I'm like, I know where the concessions are. I know where the bathrooms are. I <laughs> know what that magnet. stage is like. I like that feeling because it's familiar. Yeah. Like it feels great to be in, like all theaters have familiarity that the difference is like the walk from the dressing room to the stage. Like how far is it going to be to get there? That's really where it's kind of different for me. And I so think you're I, right. I think objectively, I think objectively it's the back lot, but yeah, that's like. For me, a theater is familiar, but for the vast majority of the world, objectively speaking, a backlot is a heck of a lot more exciting. Yeah. You get to go walk by. One time I, we, we drove by like the front of the White House from the West Wing and I will never forget that. I was just like, Mm -hmm. this is so cool. Yeah. Back in the day when you would take the Universal tour and it was, uh, Hill Valley from Back to the Future before they turned it into Ghost Whisperer, they took that Mm -hmm. set and turned it into Ghost Whisperer set. But yeah, it's, there's, there really is, that's the, that is a really magical thing about and this. And the town. psycho house up on the hill. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I, the, this showbiz history is still here. Like those theaters. Yeah. Yes. This is the first place uh, where the music man ever played, but it's not like those sets are up. They have to do the show again for that to happen. Like there are yeah. pieces, bits and pieces that you will recognize. Oh, there's the fountain from friends just sitting in a park and they're moving it next week to somewhere else. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the winner out of that particular category. Looking at all of the categories, though, that we have talked about today, do we have one that is emerging on top? Let's take the temperature now. How are y'all feeling? I'm ready to vote. I'm ready to lock in my phone. <laughs> I have a feeling I know how this is going to end, and I don't <laughs> know to what extent I agree with it, but I'm fine with it. How about that? <laughs> Well, you've also got a Philadelphia Eagles game coming on. Regardless of that, I think this is going a certain way, <laughs> and I'm okay with it. I don't know to what extent I agree with it, but that's the world of we got this. We don't always have to agree, but we must obey. Mm-hmm. That's right. Laser, I've got your back on this one. I think you and I, I think we might both all yeah. also know what Hal's talking about. Yeah. I think uh I think we may have recorded a podcast with some theater kids in here. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I think we got some I think we adult, did. adult theater kids in adult this. Adult theater room. kids. Uh should I should I say? Should I spoil? I think spoil. Yeah, at this spoil point it? at this point it's not a spoiler spoil. because it's the moment oh, okay, when great, we great. do make I, I would like to lock in my vote for Broadway, please. Okay, that's yeah, one for Broadway. Broadway as well. Another one for Broadway. People of the world, Broadway wins. Doesn't matter. My vote will stay in an envelope. And you will open it in 80 years. You will find out what my vote was. 
if Mark I in my calendar stored it. Mark it in your calendar in 80 years. If none of us is married, we're going to open the envelope. <laughs> the answer is Broadway, where all the great entertainments come from. You got the shop around the corner. Then that becomes She Loves Me. Then that becomes You've Got Mail, but not as good as the stage shows. There's still a magic to the Broadway show, even in the year of our Flying Spaghetti Monster 2023, that you can captivate imagination and either tell a familiar story in a new way or tell a new story in an interesting way that creates an experience for the people who are in the room over and over again, eight times a week, that creates magic and creates fans and creates people who want to go create their own stage productions, either in their communities or in their schools. And you just can't beat that. So as wonderful as Hollywood is, as a creative idea, <laughs> the winner of this episode is Broadway Asked and Answered. Now, Laser. Yes. We had you on here because you're, number one, a wonderful guest. Thank you. Number two, a multiple-time Broadway uh, World Award winner. I, I mean, much. seven times in one Seven times in one moment. Yeah, one like time, but seven times. Yeah. 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 yeah, Seven with one blow. Yeah. But also, you have a new album that is dropping on February 10th called yes. Overreacting. Tell us about that. Yes, it's my new album. It's called Overreacting. It's by me, Laser the Boy is my my artist name. And it's an album uh, recorded in Portland with the engineer who works with the Mountain Goats. So it's got big Mountain Goats energy if you like indie folk, lo-fi, awesome. alt-rock stuff. And there's songs about uh, about being trans and divorce and love. It's fun. It's a really good album. I'm very, very proud of it. Um, so please find Overreacting wherever you go to Sam Goody and pick it up. Yeah, you can pre-order it at Coconuts now. Yeah. Go show up yeah. and you get a voucher that you yeah. bring with you. But you can order it anywhere online, right? Can yeah, it's on Spotify. It? It's, yeah. It can be, yeah, lasertheboy.com is the place. I'm also on tour on the West Coast. So if you're on the West Coast and you want to come see me, please do. Most of the shows are free or cheap. So come, yes. come on out. Lasertheboy.com to get tickets and there's still time. This is dropping on Tuesday, January 31st slash. Oh, wow. Uh, Wednesday, February 1st. So. That means you have no excuse not to pre-order the album and get your tickets. It's the best of Broadway and Hollywood. Look at that. The winner of this episode is Laser. (laughs) Yes. Always bringing the Broadway. He's given us movies and music as well. What what more do you want? What more do you want? Yeah, come on. What more do you want? What what more do you want? You want more episodes? Fine. You know what? There are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com. That's what Naomi did. And already she's had two topics on the show in a row. Am I working off that email? Maybe. Sue me. You can do that at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash We Got This Podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, whom you can support. At patreon.com slash Ken Plume. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, because we all know that if our choices are theater or screens, it's always going to be ears. Podcasts for the win. Thank you for listening. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Agliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Loveland, and don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. We got this. Now go sue Hal in our Facebook group. Do it. I'm ready. <laughs> could happen. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.